This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Hi, I'm Tanya Ransom, creator and executive producer of Nightlight, a horror podcast featuring creepy tales written from Black writers all over the world. And today I'm here with Elle Marie Wood, author of Family Dinner. How are you today, Elle Marie? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm so glad to have you here. We have been working together on some other stuff, um, so it's really great to have you on Nightlight. I've wanted one of your stories for a while now, so I'm really glad that you submitted. I'm glad that you were patient with the whole pandemic thing last year, making it take forever to get to all of the submissions that I had, that you didn't get angry at me. So thanks for that. I really appreciate that. <laughs> I don't usually get angry, so that's good. Unless, I mean, when I get angry, it's, it's you know, for a good reason, but just in general, no, no, no. <laughs> well, I, I really appreciate your patience. And, you know, for anybody else listening out there who sent me a story last year and I took forever to get back to you, thank you for your patience too, because last year was a lot <laughs> yeah for everyone i think so. yeah yeah this year isn't looking so great either um at the time of this recording i just got my water back a couple of days ago um because there was an ice storm here in texas so yeah, yeah i'm kind of over 2021 already too <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> i can imagine all right so let's talk about things that people might actually care about <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell me what the inspiration was for family dinner? You know, and that's such a hard question because you'd think I'd have an answer for that, but that's not always the way that it works for me. So I'll say there's no inspiration, but then there's everything was an inspiration. And I'll, let me explain. So when I'm just sitting, like specifically last night, I said, okay, I want to write a short story. I've got a few hours, like no one needs me for anything. So let me just sit down and write something. And I literally could not come up with anything because I was trying to come up with something. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> when I sat down and wrote family dinner, just as much as when I sit down and write anything, I didn't, I wasn't thinking about anything. Something like popped in my head and drew me to my computer. In this instance, I can remember specifically, you know, I'd taken a long drive and, it, and long could be, you know, if it's an hour, that's longer than my usual. Right. So I took a, a decent sized drive and um, just the stretch of road, you know, in front of me just kind of stuck in my mind after I'd gotten home. Not that there was anything specific about it. You know, there really wasn't anything distinguishing it from anything else. And it was a, a piece of, you know, track that I've driven before many times. So there was nothing unique about that moment that brought the story on. But for some reason, you know, I was still thinking about the drive when I sat down. I said, well, you know, I don't know why that's happening. Let's just start. And it just kind of came out. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And I, what I like about that is it's like I said, that usually is the way that it works for me. So 
it gives me this sort of feeling of, you know, surprise, if you will, like real, I, I feel creative, but at the same time, I really don't know where it's going. And so I'm usually as interested as anyone who might be reading it and has gotten pulled in. I'm usually that interested when I'm writing it because I literally have no idea where I'm going. I just kind of go. So it's neat. So you're definitely a pantser then. Absolutely. hundred percent, hundred percent. Like I have a t-shirt that says, Pantsers unite. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> okay, so okay, so you're a pantser then. Can you give any advice to the other pantsers out there? Oh, embrace it. Like I'll tell you, I you know, in school, of course, you always hear, oh, you know, you've got to outline, and they you know force us into outlining, especially in anything you know before college. We're forced into the process of outlining and you know, sort of writing down all the notes and knowing where you're going to go and using those index cards. Like I don't have any index cards. I haven't had index cards in years, <laughs> and, and I'm happy about that. And it's. Um, it can feel as though in order to be a real, you know, I'm doing air quotes, you can't see them, but so in order to be a real writer, quote unquote, you are sort of, you're taught that you've got to fit into this box and that box includes outlining. And I'm saying, the heck with that, I refuse. <laughs> I literally do, I absolutely refuse. I've outlined exactly one story that never got written because it was in my mind over by the time I finished my outline. I knew everything that was going to happen. So the thrill was gone. You know, yeah. I had no interest whatsoever in writing it. Yeah. And I would rather allow my creativity to flow the way it's going to flow, let my characters develop the way they will and put that all on the page, you know, and have it come out and look at it and go, Hey, that was pretty cool. As opposed to specking everything out step by step by step. And that's not to say anything about folks who like to do the outlining thing. I can understand the need to organize their thoughts. Sure, I get it. I, that's just not my need. So, you know, let me live and you live. And everybody's <laughs> all, you happy. Out, all you outliners, enjoy yourselves, you know, really have fun with the sticky notes and the plotting and the, some people go really deep in. And I'm saying, enjoy that if it works for you. But if you're a pantser and you know it, Stop trying to conform, do what you do, and it'll come out better. Everything, your writing, your experience, and your experience while writing, um, you know, in the, the reader's reception of your work, it'll all be so much better if you're just true to yourself. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so you are um, a contest slash festival winning screenwriter as mm, well. Yeah. Um, your screenplays have won several awards. Do you apply the same principle when you write screenplays? Is it, you know, are you a pantser there too, or do you organize a little bit more? It's terrible. I don't organize anything. <laughs> <laughs> so you were true to yourself like that, all right? the way through then. hundred percent. I mean, I just feel that that's always the way my creativity goes, you know, and it's been that way for, I mean, I'm, I've been writing for, it's horrible. I don't like to say this, but it's the truth. I mean, honestly, I've been writing for over 40 years and I've always just kind of written like as a pantser. It's just what works for me. So yeah, my screenwriting, my short stories, my novels, novelettes, poetry, when I used to write poetry, which was long ago, um, all of it was sort of pants. Let's make up a new word, it was pants. <laughs> and and, and I, I wouldn't have it any other way at this stage. You know, I, it, because like I said, I approached every piece with this, with this excitement 
because I literally have no idea what's about to happen. So I love the seat of your pants sort of feeling that I, that I, seat of your pants. <laughs> seat of your, <laughs> what is it? The seat of your, now I can't even come up with the phrase. It's not the seat of your pants, is it? Flying by the seat of your pants, but yeah. the edge of your seat, edge of your seat is what I wanted. <laughs> But I love the edge well, of your We would have missed the pants um, metaphor there, you know, so it, it's okay that you messed that one up. That was perfect. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I just, I don't know. I love that feeling. It keeps me interested. And I think that as a writer, you, if you're not interested in what you're putting on paper, then you shouldn't put it on paper. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly the way that I feel. Because I, I have tried so long to outline stories and I have outlined stories and then I go to write them and then I immediately do something else completely different than what I put in the outline. So I ended up pantsing it anyway. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just been in the last probably year or so that I've embraced that I'm one of those people that needs to noodle a story around in my head and kind of have an idea of who my characters are and what the atmosphere is like. But then after that, like, it's just time for me to write. Like, I can't sit down with, you know, index cards and come up with an outline. And if I do do that, then I'm just going to end up tossing it anyway, because as soon as I start writing, I'm going to discover this new path that's, you know, shiny and interesting. And I'm going to follow that new shiny, interesting path and not the one that I laid out in the index cards, because that one's done and boring at this point, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I completely relate to that. That's... I think that's excellent advice um, for writers is to just stay true to yourself. It, it, that's advice for so many aspects of writing too. I mean, I think that there's so many times, especially we're talking about horror fiction here. I mean, you know, I've been, I have always claimed horror. I've never, I, I mean, I'm psychological horror. So I'm on the other end of the spectrum. I'm not, I mean, there's blood of course. So there's gore <laughs> and blood, but not in copious amounts. You know, typically my stories are more quiet than that, but Still, I'm a psychological horror author. And so there's, I had to be true to that from the very beginning. You know, I mean, that's genre fiction. If you're coming from academia, you've had this discussion where you've got the genre fiction versus literary fiction debate and, you know, quality is being called into question and validity and interest is called into question. And I, I, I reject all of that, you know, because as a psychological horror author, I have found quality work to enjoy reading and I believe I put out quality work. So therefore I don't, I don't agree with, you know, some of the arguments that lean towards literary fiction being the, the, the way to go if you're going to, you know, write for a living or a part-time living or whatever, whatever yeah. this is. Right. Yeah. So I, I had to learn early on that I had to do what I wanted to do if I was going to make myself happy. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and there was a time when there, there, you know, there's many authors will find themselves in, in different, on different paths, right? I mean, if it depends, if you want to self-publish your work, you might be able to skirt some of this. If you want to, um, get into a traditional publishing contract, you're going to bump into the thing and things I'm about to say, if you're going to do small press stuff, you'll, you'll still get a little bit of it, but not quite as much. But if you're dealing with, you know, trying to get into traditional publishing, um, that, that involves agents and, you know, all these big contracts and the big box, the big house uh, uh, publishers, etc. And you may be told at some point, especially if you're a genre fiction author with a, spe a, a very specific subgenre, 
ah, you know, this isn't marketable or you need to try and change your, your subgenre, maybe make it this, make it that, bring in all these other elements, try and do whatever. And there are decisions as an author that we have to make there, right? I mean, I think that, so being true to yourself is something that either you learn it you know, when you're alone writing your work and no one can see you, or you learn it when someone's telling you to your face, this is good, but I can't sell it. Right. Um, I've been in that situation, you know, I've been in a situation where, you know, and that was for a traditional publisher who, you know, wanted to market the work in a specific way. And then I've been told same work, same piece. This is exactly what we're looking for. I can't wait to run with it. <laughs> right. It all depends on the editor. Right. You've got to be ready um, for whatever those decisions are and be ready and know what your answer is because you're being true to yourself. So, yeah. So what tips do you have for the screenwriters out there? Mm -hmm. it, just in a general sense or? Yes. Yes. Keep writing. I, uh, two things. Get final draft because in, the industry is not playing. That's what they want to see. And we may want to use all these other tools, but it doesn't matter if you want your work to be looked at um and considered serious then you will use final draft and that sounds horrible you know i mean it's like here buy this tool but <laughs> and i promise you i get no kickbacks from final draft <laughs> but i say this because there are so many things so many obstacles that screenwriters can bump into don't let the tool you use and the formatting that's come you know that that the, the final work is produced in be the thing that makes someone say i'm not going to read this Right. because it's the truth they you know if you're talking with big name directors and trying to get your work you know out there as far as wide range as you can there there there's so many markers that they're looking for to see you know does this guy is it a brand new person do they know what they're doing i don't even want to read the story if it's by somebody who has no clue it's unfortunate because they miss out on really fantastic work because they haven't even read a few sentences in but they've discarded it because of formatting so Right. Use get final draft and be sure you know how you know what the formatting conventions are. And then number two, keep at it, because, you know, just like with publishing, really, just like with anything in life, um, you know, you're not if you blow up on your very first piece, man, fantastic. That's awesome. That never happens, though. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So don't hang your hopes on something like that. You've got to keep writing every time you write something new you know, you grow, you've, you're bringing whatever you've learned from the last process of writing the first thing into this new thing. And you already know either what works for you or what sort of feedback you got from the first effort. Mm -hmm. So keep at it, keep writing, keep trying, get your work out there. Um, don't be afraid to hear this, the feedback that will come. Even when it sounds a little sharp and unfocused, just more of a, a blanket ah this is trash and this is why <laughs> right because you can we can blow off a lot we have to take what we have to do is take from all feedback points that benefit us points that make sense we have to assess the whole thing may not like it but if it's if you hear hearing it from 50 people maybe it's something you should address right so we've got to hear understand the feedback, use it, take the parts we can use and then discard the rest. So the ones who are just saying, ah, it's trash and giving no feedback, just that it's trash. Well, that's a one that you can toss. It's trash because your character doesn't have any growth. Well, now that's something to listen to. Right. 
right? So don't, so I guess I gave three points of, (laughs) (laughs) I gave three points. Make sure you're using the right tool. Number two, keep writing. And number three, take the criticism for what it is and use what you can. Right. I think that those are all excellent points of advice. So what do you have out that we can be reading right now? Oh, well, my novel, The Realm, came out in October. Um, it's really fast-paced. Uh, body of work is, it's, it's book one. Book two will be out in October of this year. Um, it's a really fast-paced piece, and it really focuses and makes the reader think about, you know, what everything they know about the afterlife, whether or not, you know... <laughs> They know the truth or they don't. They, you know, make them challenge themselves about what they are, have always been taught and what could really be. And it's a psychological horror piece, but it's also has uh, sci-fi elements that are really kind of interesting and fun and change the, the, the pace, I would say, of the story. Um, I have a novella coming out in uh, May, early May, called Telecommuting. And it's so timely because of, you know, we've been, all of us have been home, right? Everyone has been stuck um, since last year. But this story tells the, gives a little bit of the, an idea about what could happen from all of this isolation. And um, it's a psychological horror piece through and through, really. I mean, that one, it's sort of that little, uh, what my hair is standing on up on the back of my neck sort of piece. So a lot of fun. Um, the Promise Keeper, this is my, that's my second novel. It's going to be re-released with a brand spanking new cover um, in May also. I'm really excited to see this come back out. Um, this is a vampire tale. This is the one that I won the Golden Stake Award for. And I'm telling you, the thing is really a stake. It's like a literal gold wood carved <laughs> stake, right? That's it awesome. It has blood on the end. It's fantastic. I love this thing. So... <laughs> But yeah, this this is a vampire story. Um, it starts in Benin, West Africa, or what's now known as Benin, West Africa, and um, just kind of go follows the main character all through space and time. Really, I mean, we're we're dealing with Benin, West Africa, the Caribbean, the United States, specifically New York. Um, several different time periods in New York goes spans over hundreds of years. Very very fun piece, all with a psychological horror you know, subplot going on underneath it all. So lots of fun. Those all sound amazing. And I cannot wait to read all of them after I finish all my reading for the Shirley Jackson Awards. (laughs) 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 I have this stack of books that's staring at me right now, like read us, read us. I mean, it's great because I like there are there's so many great stories that I'm reading. But yeah, like my to be read pile is like super high right now. And like, I don't have a choice. You know, like I can't just say, oh, I'm going to put this one at the top of the to be read pile. So it's going to be great when I finish with the Shirley Jackson Awards and I can read things that I want to read rather than things that I have to read. Um, right. I'm going to have to say like the realm is the most interesting one to me for sure. Fantastic. Very cool. I can't wait to hear what you think. Absolutely. How else can we support you right now? Well, you know, I mean, buying the books is always a really good way, (laughs) right? (laughs) Leaving reviews. Right. Reviews. Good, you know, good reads and Amazon. I mean, that's just people really, I read them when I'm picking up a book, right? So people read these. And so, yeah, I mean, if you, if you read it and you want to drop a review, I truly appreciate that. Um, 
I keep a blog running on my website. If you sign up to that, you'll be up to date on the things that I'm doing. And this year is going to be very, very busy because those are just the first three that are coming out. But I've, this is a nice release year for me. So I'm kind of excited. Right? Good for you. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. I'd love to keep people up to date with that. Um, I will say that I am trying my best to uh, do the social media thing. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a Facebook uh like author site. And I also have Twitter. So, and I'll give you all that information in a second, but yeah, I have those. I'm trying, I'm trying. Uh, <laughs> I'm not the best, but I try my best to communicate there. That, um, okay. But yeah, I mean, you know, reading, even if it's not just me, read, 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 you know, if people yeah. just keep reading and keep listening, cause I absolutely love audiobooks, just yeah. love audiobooks. You know, if you if you do that and you're engaging in the genre and engaging with you know work that's fresh and new and authors that you don't know, I mean that's that helps all of us. So I, I hope that people do things like that. Awesome. Oh, okay. I forgot to tell you anywhere to look for me, right? So yes, <laughs> I was just about to ask. So where can we find you? <laughs> yeah, right. I mentioned that blog. So my website is uh, elmariewood.com. Right. And my Twitter is Wood one the number one. And my Facebook group is facebook.com slash Wood. So I kind of try to keep it easy. <laughs> easy to find me. All right. So links to the novels and the novella and those sites will be in the show notes for our listeners. Thank you so much, Elmarie, for joining us today. I really appreciate it. You gave some great advice for writers out there, I think, and some great uh, recommendations for next reads. Um, again, thank you so much for being on the show. So glad to have a story by you. So glad to have had the opportunity to interview you. And I hope that you have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too. I appreciate it. We'll be back next week with a brand new story. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.